You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome. 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 To the Freedom Pact. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Today, on the Freedom Pack podcast, we are joined by Beth Weisenberger. Beth is the co-founder of the Handel Group and is the current president of Handel Corporate Consulting. The Handel Group is a renowned corporate consulting and life coaching company dedicated to teaching people how to realise their personal and professional visions. This straightforward and innovative method has changed the lives of literally thousands of people, of both private and corporate clients, and has been taught in over 50 educational programs, including MIT and the Stanford Graduate School of Business. On a personal note, Beth has led personal development seminars for more than 50,000 people globally, has been a featured coach at Business Weekly and has also published for the Huffington Post. This conversation centers around inner dialogue, raising consciousness and the art of having difficult conversations. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the amazing Beth Weisenberger. Beth, such a pleasure to be talking to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Amazing. Be here. I like talking and coaching, so yay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I like listening and being coached, so it should be a good match. <laughs> so uh, what I find particularly interesting, Beth, is when I first stumbled upon yourself, Lauren, and the Handel Group, I found it so interesting that the handle method at the real base of this is this idea of raising consciousness. This seems to be at the heart of the handle method. So why is this the particular method which is at the heart of it? From our point of view, if you're going to go deal with your life, whether it's as an executive or, uh, you know, as uh, you hire us for life coaching, Um, The only way to ever change anything is to first get conscious about that which you're in the middle of. So if you are like, wow, I'm such a procrastinator. Wow, I, you know, can be um, um, a prick sometimes or a bitch sometimes. Um, And let me know if I shouldn't curse because I do curse. Um, (laughs) And so um, you might say, I know that's a bad behavior on every 360 I've ever done. They always tell me I need to fix this. I need to fix that. I know, I know, I know. And the truth is, is if you really knew, if you really knew the impact of your bad behavior on, on your team, your people, your family, if you really were conscious of it um, and knew the impact, you would change it because you're not proud of it. So one must, according to us, you got to raise consciousness, get aware first of that which is running your life in your subconscious, raise it to consciousness, and then we can deal with it. 
right? So there's things that you don't know about yourself really that's in your subconscious. And so we shine the light on what's already there. We're just going to raise it so that we can then do something about it. And it sucks, right? Like, oh, yippee, you're going to really see how you're really that cold person. You know, I'll never forget the day um, my sister Lauren and we have another sister, Marnie, who is our writer and writes all our content in Handel. And, you know, we're best friends, the three sisters. And one day we um, when we all lived in Westchester, we used to go for a Saturday um, morning walk. And Lauren would inevitably coach one of us. One of us was getting a note. And I'll never and I'm going to say a curse now because it was just so funny. And so one day she goes, Beth, I have a note for you. Um, I'm like, go ahead, tell me. She goes, you are such a cold fuck. Um, <laughs> and I burst out. No one. I Here I am, 45 plus years old at the time. No one had ever called me that. I did not know I was a cold fuck. I burst out laughing such that snot came out of my nose. We were <laughs> laughing, all three of us, so friggin' hard. And I'm like, how did I not know that? I mean, my mother and father are cold fucks. How, like, duh. But I, I was not conscious of it. So she raised it to consciousness. And then what we do is you go on the hunt for it. You're not scared of it. You don't avoid it. You're like, oh, God, no, I'm so embarrassed. You go on the hunt. And so the next day, our CEO at the time called me. And it was a um, actually, no, that night. It was Saturday night. We went for the walk Saturday at 830 at night. I see on my phone the CEO's calling. And my inner dialogue was, what the fuck does she want at 8.30 at night? So I'm annoyed already. And I pick up the phone like that, answer all her questions. Sunday morning, I get a call from my sister. Lauren goes, well, did you notice you were a cold fuck last night to our CEO? And I'm like, oh, God, I did not. Um, and we laughed because I really was. I didn't want to talk to her. And I picked up the phone anyway. And so immediately in Lauren saying it, not in me finding it, it started to continue to raise the consciousness of it such that within a matter of, I believe in six weeks, once you see something, you can take it down. I took that thing down, altered the behavior and became a new person out of it. So the key of our coaching is we're going to raise your consciousness to that which is in your way that isn't giving you your dreams, that isn't having you live true to who you are. What I find so fascinating about this is I think that there could be an unconscious element to it, but there could also be a a willful ignorance. And I, I've been guilty of this. You know, I, I said so there are some things, some problems which I've had where I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to really look at it. You know, it's, it's painful to look at. So I think that there could be a case of, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's your fault. You're, you're purposely ignoring a problem. And then the other thing, it could be, you know, maybe you're not unconscious of, as you said, but they're, you know, unconscious of that cold fuck type of element. So why do you think that people have these issues, these problems which are really hurting them, but yet they choose to ignore them or overlook maybe toxic traits in relationship or things which are harming their business, their personal life. Why do you think people ignore those, Beth? I don't know if they ignore them. There are some people who, let's call it, they ignore them, right? Um, it's mostly you just don't know what's in your way. I talked to, I just got hired by a CEO last week, um, 
Um, someone who founded his company is doing unbelievable in that arena as and is in fucking hell in his personal life. And as he said to me on the phone, he goes, I can't get my own self out of it. I don't know what is going on. And he told me part of his story and I could immediately hear, ah, he put himself in a purgatory. Um, and I said that to him and he was like, whoa, like people know, many of them know they're in hell, a lot of them in certain areas. They just don't know how to get out of it. Um, and they think that they assign the reason why they're in hell um, um, in the wrong direction, which then keeps it in place. Um, so I think that most of us have just not trained to deal with ourselves. What what high school did you go to? Did they train you to be a better human? Um, no, they taught you about, you know, Col you know, Columbus. Um, you know, so there's not a school that we know of that is really teaching, you know, being a better human being. And so we get in trouble because we don't know. Mm. I think that the biggest example, as you're talking about this, which really comes to my mind, is personal relationships. And th look, this is something I've experienced myself in in this field. And what I've realized, and I've heard people come on this podcast and talk about, is usually in personal relationships, the red flag which will end a relationship two to three years in is probably something which was noticed 20 to 30 minutes in, maybe a day the first day. But we chose to ignore it, you know, because it's painful hope, to it's not so much ignore. You are hoping. So I just oh, sat see, yeah. someone. So I just uh, got hired by someone else who wanted me to either have her uh, not do the partnership because they hadn't signed the terms yet, not do the partnership or help them both make sure the partnership went well. And um, I got on a 15 minute call with the other partner and knew within that 15 minutes that other person should run the fuck away quick and do not sign the deal memo. And so I saw her last week and I said all my stuff and I said exactly what you said. Like, all right, I saw the red flag in 15 minutes. How did you not see that? She goes, I did. Right. So she had all the red flags. It's just, she wanted it so badly um, she was hoping it could get fixed. She was hoping it wasn't like she, it was part of her dream. Right. And, you know, let's step over it. And I'm like, oh my God, would you, are you really going to marry this person who has really bad, you just saw major red flags and you're thinking it's going to get better when you get married? Like, no, it's going to get worse. And so we hope we're hoping a lot of us like, oh God, maybe that's not true. And we don't want to deal with it. And then we're scared to have the conversations. That's where we get chicken. So we avoid the conversations. We step over it and we get bit in the end, for sure. I completely agree with this. And I, I love talking about this. So is the lesson really to have that courage to act on that red flag as soon as we see it? Is that the, is that the lesson? Um, it's you know, be willing to head in. So if there's a red flag, all the red flag is showing you is there's something that you're concerned about. And then we get, we avoid having the real conversation because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to deal with it. We don't know how to deal with it. And we ignore it and it never goes away. Um, and you got to deal. So it really is, yes, to have the courage to have the conversation. Red flags just show you 
that which is in your inner dialogue that you're worried about. So you've got to have the conversation. Like this morning, my honey and I, the love of my life, um, and I are walking to the gym. And it wasn't our normal morning. I got up late, so we were kind of behind. And we're walking to the gym, and we usually talk on our way to the gym. We're adorable. And he now is on email, and I am am nowhere on the street with him. And I then go, okay, in my own head, in my inner dialogue, fine, right. Don't be connected to me. See where that gets you, sir. (laughs) Um, So I walk ahead. I get to the gym. And I'm about to get on the bike for 30 minutes. He's going to go do his thing, and then we'll meet downstairs. To He works me out. And I walked over to him because otherwise I'm just going to hate him. Right. And I walk over and I'm like, I don't feel connected. I didn't like you were on the email this morning. And, you know, I just told him the truth. Right. He apologized and we were in love again. Right. But most people will not say anything because they're embarrassed how stupid it is. What's the big deal? And you step over stuff versus deal with the truth and figure out a way to do it beautifully versus yell at the person. Um, and so we're just not trained in any of that. Right. And that's part of what Handel group is about, which is one of our uh, taglines, which is learn to human better and to human as a verb. And we teach humaning better, whether it's in um, a company or whether it's one on one with one person. Yeah, I, I love this topic of difficult conversations. This is actually something which we've never talked about on this podcast in 70 plus interviews and i actually i've been meaning to have a conversation about this for some time so whilst we're here that example which you just gave about speaking to your partner at the gym i find this fascinating i'm from from wales in the uk over here there's a very apologetic culture like i would be willing to bet that if you went into a supermarket here and you bumped into someone with your trolley, I would be willing to bet that the person you hit would apologize. I think yeah. that this is <laughs> this is the culture. So yes. I know I know that you've done fascinating work in this. So how do you train people to have these difficult conversations? We first we I'll I'll speak to the principles of a hard conversation in a moment, but I want to actually have a different conversation that I think will make a difference, which is The part, in fact, I said it to um, my daughter yesterday, which is if you don't. So here you are and you're now annoyed um, and it's in your head, like you're talking with yourself, like about whatever you're pissed off about. If you don't say it. In other words, it's now become a secret. You're annoyed. You're pissed off, but you're not going to say it. So you're going to keep it to yourself. Now, watch what happens. The moment you keep it to yourself, it actually turns into a reality. If I can't tell you something, then it must be true. If I can't tell you your shoes are ugly, then I'm validating it to myself like it's real. Secrets create a reality. If I can't tell you that I just got hurt by what you did, I've now got a reality that you hurt me. The minute you can't tell someone something, it's now real. So if I get upset and I think, you know, you're being mean to me, et cetera, et cetera, and I can't tell you that, 
then it's now real that you're mean. And every time I do that, you're going to be mean. And now I have that against you. So if you think something and you don't say it and you keep quiet and you shut up, the more quiet you are, the more you validated that which you're keeping quiet. So part of why we like force, like, come on, people, let's have the hard conversations is years for like 10 years. You've built something up. We were just with the team who had major shit with themselves. Right. And um, actually, it's a band. Um, and that it was about breaking up or staying together. And you have 10 years of not saying something. The realities that you create in those 10 years, they're real—they're not a questionable reality. It really is this way. He is out to get me. He doesn't like me. She fill in the blank. So the moment you can't tell someone something, it must be true. And so we're committed that we get people honest. We get people telling the truth. We get people, you know, in their sex lives, in every aspect of your life. You got to be able to say something so you don't turn it into a reality. Yeah, this is this this is so interesting because I've read John Gottman's work. He's done so many of the he's probably the best a researcher into relationships that there is. And one of the things in which he says is that People are so afraid of conflict. They're so afraid of speaking their mind. But really, what you'll probably find is that a great relationship will be proportionate to the amount of difficult conversations that you're willing to have. There so, you go. So, and they're yeah. constant, right? Because you're human, I'm human. You just said something, I just got hurt. You know, I'm sensitive. Even though I'm a bitch, I'm also sensitive, right? So... <laughs> I get sensitive. And so if I don't go, all right, let me just quit. Let me just ask you something. Did you really mean that? You know, like, so I don't want to create a, any reality other than, um, you know, all truth, right? So that's the key to why we're so committed to you being honest, because you create realities that are just not there. I was on the phone with um, an executive and he's like, well, she wouldn't fire this person and then she made this one. So he tells me this whole story and I'm like, wait, let me understand something. Do you know this is really true? Like you went and asked that person and then you asked this person. He goes, oh, no, I just know it. And I'm like, no, you came up with something that you thought was true. You didn't go check it. And it's now reality that you're so pissed about. You don't even know if your reality is true because you never had a conversation. I don't know if that's reality true. How do you know if the reason why she didn't fire him and she wanted this one to fire is because she was petrified? How do you know anything? And he's like, you're right. But that's what happens to us. We make stuff up and then we're not going to make it up nicely. We're going to make shit up that is truly not true. And by the way, mostly you're like, oh my God, there's so much I'd have to say. Nah, if you actually look and write it all down, after you write it, like if you like what we call purge, puke it all out, not to the person, but on a piece of paper or to someone else. At the bottom of it, there's two things that happen that you got to deal with, not, you know, 10 years. There's two things. This is what happened. They said this, you got hurt and you never dealt with it. Fix that one. Find out about that one. So we send you in to have hard conversations. Would you like me to go over how to have them? 
Yes, please, please. Oh, but can I just ask one question before I, before you I jump on this? Anything. So, yeah. so I, I'm fully fully on board with this now. So, so let me ask you this because just as you were saying that, this was what was coming through my mind. So, how do I know what's something that I really need to bring up? And then again, something which could just be, say, uh, uh, you know, a, a minor annoyance. Or are we bringing everything up? Are we being no, 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 no. Here's the rule of thumb. There's a rule of thumb that we come up with. This is ours. And by the way, we treat ourselves a little different than our clients. So you'll hear the rule that we give. So the rule for anyone who works in Handel is it's the two grumble rule. So what's the grumble rule? So if I have an inner dialogue, which is your voices, you know, talking to you in your head, that's definitely not on your team. Um, and we can get into that in a few minutes. So if you have a negative grumble in your head about you, so if I'm like, oh God, Joe, man, oh man, you know, he said he called me and he never did. Wow. <laughs> he said he emailed me and he never did. And I now have a grumble about Joe never responds to my emails. So I have the thought come once. All right, whatever. It's one thought. It could go away. So then the next day or however many days later, Joe doesn't respond to me again. I'm now grumbling again about what the fuck about Joe? How does he expect me to get my job done if he doesn't fucking answer emails? So I've now had two grumbles about you. Same topic. That's the rule for people that work for us. Two grumbles, two negative dialogues in your head about something or someone. You now have 24 hours to go have the conversation with the person. With our clients, we give them three. So you have the thought once, all right, thought. You have it a second time, uh-oh, because it's probably going to show up again. You have it a third time, you have 24 hours to go have the conversation or we're going to consequence you, which is a whole other principle. But yeah, we force the issue, two grumbles to three grumbles, go talk. My you God. know, if I yeah. was walking down the street with my honey and I had the thought like, what the fuck's he on the email? Why isn't he not, you know, talking to me? And then it went away. There'd be nothing to say because I'm not really upset. Hmm. But how you know you're upset is it keeps talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely enthralled by this. So, so talk to me. What is this, this art of, of of having difficult conversations and, and just know whatever you say is what I will do. <laughs> All right, here we go. So number one, script it. Listen, you gotta, um, because we're not trained in how to have hard conversations, we got to script it first. Like you got to write it up. I used to, when my sister, when Lauren was training me back, you know, almost 16 years ago in the Handel method that she had invented, um, she had me script it because I just want to fucking kill you. Right. Like, I, rah, 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 rah. right. So I scripted it and I would bring the script into the meeting, into whatever and say, listen, I have my notes with me because I don't want to forget anything. So you write it out, script it. Now, I don't script them anymore because I'm good at it now. Right. But in the beginning, script it. OK, next. You want to make sure you have a time schedule. You cannot do it as a flyby. Like, oh, I see you in the hall. Joe, yo, yeah, I'm mad at you. I need to talk to you. Yeah, no. So no flybys. It's really, Joe, listen, can we, um, you know, schedule a one-on-one? -on -one? I got things to review with you. Um, you schedule a call. Schedule a meeting. Schedule it. You're going to need at least 30 minutes. Come on. So then once that's all set up, the most important thing about a hard conversation and where everyone gets in trouble 
is you don't frame it. You don't set the context. So if I just walked over to my honey and said, I am fucking pissed at you. What's, what's he going to do? I mean, he's going to be defensive. Wants- I, I'd be defensive. Exactly. exactly. So if you go attack someone, they're just going to get defensive hmm. and the conversation doesn't go well. So there's no defensive because you're going to frame it. So it would be, honey, I like getting connected to you in the morning and I didn't feel connected this morning. So you see how I'm not, I'm not attacking him. Yeah. So there's a frame. So for instance, if it's a boss, if it's someone that works for you, it's, you know, a scary person, you know, it's that, you know, the holidays are coming up and, you know, you're going to be with your family and you've been annoyed with one of your siblings. And it really, the frame might be like, Joe, listen, you know how much I love you. You know how much I'm committed to our relationship. And I want to have a conversation because I'm feeling out of sorts with you. And that's so not okay with me because I love our partnership and I'm missing it. So can you hear how I framed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if I'm going to really go speak to someone who works for me, not in let's assume I'm coaching an executive, it would be um, some version of, listen, I want to have a conversation. It's going to be just as hard as for me as it'll be for you to listen. I am committed to not hurting you at all, but I'm committed to speaking my truth. You're not in trouble. You're not fired. I'm committed to training and developing you. So this conversation is my commitment to you and to review a few things that I really do need you to work on in 2020. So you see, I took out like the fear that they're going to get fired, the fear they're in trouble. The fe- but and here's my commitment to you so they can breathe and relax, because the hard conversation is not only for me to speak what I've not been saying. But it's also to take care of you so you can hear the conversation and respond accordingly. Yeah, I love this. I've heard a dating coach, actually, uh, that he tells women that when they're irritated with uh, a man that they're seeing, for example, to frame it like you were just talking about in the man's language. So an example which he gave was that uh, he got this woman to say to a man that every time that he that she wanted him to do the dishes or something like this that she would just use her in her language in his language so she would go up to him and say oh baby it really turns me on when you do the dishes can you do them next time please and he said that (laughs) it's a tremendous impact so is that the power of framing no, that's a little sleazy, it's part, <laughs> right? Because that's bullshit, right? Is she really turned on that? Yeah. Like, don't lie. That's a that's a, mm. sorry, whoever told you to do that. That's a bit <laughs> of manipulation, according yeah. to me. I like because it mm. doesn't turn me on. It would be more a bigger conversation called, you know, if this is your honey, you guys are a team, right? And so there's really an ask. You can ask like, honey, would you be willing to do the dishes tonight without any fucking sleaze or manipulation? So no, everybody who's listening, no manipulation. Don't bullshit it. Cause I, if you did that with me, I'd look at you and go, are you fucking kidding me? Right? <laughs> I know you turned on. Cause I, I mean, maybe if I was naked doing the dishes, but come <laughs> So I am not for that, not at all. The truth, we teach telling the truth. We think telling the truth is sexy. You have to learn how to do it and do it beautifully. 
but there's a way to do that without manipulation. Mm. Okay, so so I suppose this brings me on to the next point, which would be, what are then, what would be the biggest mistakes then that people are making when they're having these difficult conversations? Because obviously we just covered manipulation, I suppose. You know, the biggest thing is, is that you don't live from the principle, maybe it's you. So if I'm upset with something, if you work for me, and I'm now having to go have a hard conversation with you. There's the part called, well, why haven't I already had that conversation? So I've been being a bit of a chicken, right? So I'm just as accountable for this as you are. So if you have someone on your team who's not producing and you're not having the straight up conversation with them about not producing because you don't want them, you know, um, because they're, you know, they're important. You don't want to lose them. You don't want to piss them off. You don't want them to leave. There's, you've got to own your aspect of it. If someone on your team is failing, not only are they accountable for the failure, the person who's failing, who else is accountable for someone on the team is failing? You. Yes. So if I've got someone on my team who's not producing, it isn't just about them. They're, it's my failure. You're on my team and failing. So part of the hard conversation, I wouldn't end up having this because I would have already dealt with it way before there, like that. But it really is like, this is my failure. I have not, the hard conversation is, listen, I want to talk to you about your results this year, but I want to have a conversation that maybe you'd be a little surprised about, which is, this is on me. You know, I'm your boss. I have not been able to be effective with having you be effective. I have failed you. And this conversation is twofold. It's my owning that I have not been able to impact you being great with producing results and to figure out what's up with you, that you're not producing the results where you used to. But I first want to just say, like, I can look and see that this year there was a point where I gave up on you and started to believe that you weren't going to pull through and shame on me for never having had that conversation with you. So there's the ownership of it. Now, not all the time. Like, listen, when I was um, pissed at my love this morning, Part of what I had to deal with is I could have stopped him doing the email. I could have stopped him on the street and said, honey, put your phone away and kiss me now. Right. I could have done that because we're team members. Instead, I decided to be pissed off at him and walk ahead of him. That was me being an asshole. So inside of the conversation of honey, we weren't connected. It was also my apology for not having him win. I could have fixed that within two minutes of him being on the email. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a maybe it's you quality, which is our book. Maybe it's you. And then the joke is, no, not maybe. It is you. So there's owning your aspect of it that completely helps. Now, sometimes there is no aspect for you to own, right? Like it really is someone was just a complete jerk. Um and so then there's the conversation, but it's a not putting them on a defensive conversation. It's a wanting to help them, wanting to have them win. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely, completely. 
Wow, I mean, <laughs> wow, I love talking about this stuff. So <laughs> I've got, so, got quite, a, quite some other topics to cover. So oh. one of the things which I know you, um, or some of the most profound aspects of your work, which I found anyway, was about these inner dialogues in our mind. You've come up with these three amazing voices, which I love. So mm-hmm. when I thought about this, it made me think that we all have this, you know, this inner dialogue, this yeah. story that we're telling ourselves that's, that's, you know, that's holding us back. And usually you can like find out what it is by just saying what it is, you know, in your head, like, I want to make more money. And then there's a voice in your head saying, but you're not good enough, but your mother didn't love you, but this, I want to lose weight, but my metabolism is too slow, but I'm too old, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And, and what I love is how you've really broken this down. You've given these voices, you've given them names. So yes. can we talk about that? Can you explore this idea for me? Yes, of course. Um, wait, did you want to see me? Can we Skype? I'd like to access your camera. We could have seen each other this oh, whole time. Sure, right. sure I'm playing. All right. So um, anyway. Um, all right. So we all, there you are. okay much better okay so um no i don't want to share a screen okay there you go okay so all right inner dialogue we all have them and what they say is the statistic is is that 80 percent of your thoughts are negative so 80 percent of your thoughts are negative but watch this and 95 percent of the 80 percent are repeated over and over. So the negative thought you had yesterday, oh, here it is again. So they're the friggin' same. So we've identified, so now watch, why have we identified and named them? Because the source of results, all your results in your personal life, business life, all of it, whatever your result is, Whether if you have a result you don't want, the source isn't the actions or no actions you take. The source is your inner dialogue. The source of all results is what she or he's saying. You have board board members in your head, so to speak, but you should fire them all because they are not on your team. Not one of them is on your team. They are out to not love you and out to keep you small. And so we've named them so you can begin to go on a hunt for them. So one of the negative dialogues that we all all have, no matter what country you live in or what language you speak, is we all have a chicken. And the chicken voice is the voice of avoiding something. And the chicken voice might say to you today, "Mm, I should probably go speak to Joe about this. Ah, No, you know how Joe is on Mondays. He wants to be back on the weekend. Don't talk to him. Wait till like Thursday or Friday morning when he knows another weekend's coming. Then he'll be able to give me what I want. And you will think that's the greatest fucking business strategy ever. And I will call you a friggin' chicken because you just, the chicken just had you avoid dealing with something and got you off the hook. They're all to get you off the hook. Then the other voice is your brat voice, B-R-A-T, brat. And that's like a teenager. You know, I have an 18-year-old daughter. I don't want to, you can't make me, you're not the boss of me, leave me alone, fuck off, go die, drop dead. No, it's the defiant voice. I don't want to go to the gym. So that voice is the voice usually could be in the morning. You're supposed to go to the gym. You have all your clothes laid out. You've told the kids everything's good. The alarm goes off and the voice goes, go back to sleep. 
And you think God is talking to you when you go back to sleep. No, that was the brat that just ran your life who doesn't want to get up and it's dark outside and go to the gym. That's a brat who just ran your life, not you. And the third voice that we identify in the beginning of coaching, there's others, but right now for the purpose of this is the um, weather reporter. And the weather reporter is really like a weather reporter. So here in New York City, it is sunny and I'm going to make it up. It's probably about 45 degrees. And so this morning when I went to the gym at 7 a.m., I stuck my head out. I'm like, oh, it's cold. Put on a hat, put on my gloves, did everything because all I can do is dress according to the weather. But the weather was sunny and 40 this morning. So when you're being a weather reporter in your life, you swear that things are as real as the sun is out. Like, I don't have time to go to the gym. Why are you? I have no time. None. And that is as real for you as the sun is out and it's 45 degrees. So a weather reporter is all about your justifications, reasons, excuses to not do something. So the chicken, the brat and weather reporter, you can hear they're not on your team. Their whole life is about having you not live true to your values. So if you have a value of exercising, living a long life and health, no, the brat will absolutely be against that. The brat, chicken and weather reporter, their whole life is to have you not live true to your values, your integrity or your dreams. And you have to meet them to be able to shoot them. <laughs> so I suppose the benefit of giving those is that when that chicken voice, that brat voice, that weather reporter comes, it's you know, and then you can be like, you can sort of separate yourself from it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you can, can tell those voices to fuck off. off. Yeah. That's what I'm, <laughs> anyone who I'm allowed to curse to, I'm like, tell them to fuck off, right? Like <laughs> one of the um, greatest stories, and I have many, is, um, and he wrote an article about it that's all over the place. If you look him up, Justin Pugh is an NFL Arizona Cardinal. And when I started coaching Justin, his NFL agent gave him to me years ago when he was on the Giants. And he was a rookie. And I got the call because he, it looked like he was going to get cut. And the agent wanted me to save him. And I did. Not only did I save him and he made it and he got a contract with the Giants and then he got a $43 million contract from the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll tell you that was because of the coaching. And then he just came out with an article pointing to the NFL that they should hire life coaches, not just NFL coaches because of the mental well-being. So there's a whole world that's happening in sports now. And Justin, his second session, I told him to listen for the chicken that messed him up on the field. And I explained the whole thing. And he was to listen and hear it, bring it to consciousness, like the beginning of our call, and tell it to fuck off and be the rock star that he is. He said he was there in the huddle. Eli Manning, the quarterback, is doing this thing. It's like a 10-second thing. And he said, Beth, when I sat with him at the next session, he goes, Beth, I heard the voice. I said, what did it say? He said, my chicken said, ah, the media hates you. The media always hates you. How are they going to destroy you today? They're going to destroy you. Why does the media hate me? He goes, Beth. I didn't hear a word Eli said, but for the first time I heard what was really happening. I told it to fuck off and I rocked it out and we won. And that's the beginning of where he turned everything around because he woke up to that's not him. 
Do you think that we can get a, a control of these sorts, or do you think that they're always going to be there? I've been doing this for 15 years. Mine still talks. Now, she talks less, but she still talks whenever I have a big something. She still, her favorite is, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. You're stupid. You're an idiot. Right? That's one of her favorites. Oh, you can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. Right? Or, yeah, you know, everyone's going to hurt you. Oh, my God. She doesn't shut up. But the the name of the game is not to get rid of them because you can't. We didn't design human being. We were born into it. That's already designed is to be able to bring conscious to it and then to put a leash around it, like not listen to it, not have a whole monologue with it. Like you'll have discussions of with it. Like, oh, no, you're not that good. Yeah, I'm not that good. Oh, what do you think? Oh, you're dead. Like, oh, don't discuss. Hmm. I suppose this all goes down to really because I, I, when I think about in my own life, the thoughts in which I've had and how much control I've had over them, they have, you know, I could argue maybe all of the impact on the results in which I've produced. It goes back to the identity and whatnot. And I remember I read, uh, I think it was Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz and I was in university. And one of the things which you said in that book was you said, your self-image and your habits, they go hand in hand. So if you can change one, then you can change the other. So I suppose yeah. this comes down to your work, Bayern. How do we sort of create that empowering narrative for ourselves? Well, first you have to hear the not empowering narrative, right? And then we have part of what my sister invented, the genius that she is, is something called promises and consequences. Hmm. And someone to hold you to account. You need all three. So any place you're a chicken, you're a brat, or you're a weather reporter, once you've identified all those areas... You then are going to now, because you're committed to living true to your values and your integrity, that's what personal integrity is, is you live true to your values. So let's just say you're a brat with going to exercise. And you damn straight know it, but you've got your integrity called, you want to lose the 25 pounds and exercise. So now you can't just go, okay, I'm going to do it. No, you haven't for 10 years. And the brat has been winning. So just because you now know it's a brat doesn't mean you're going to go to the gym. Likely not. So you need three things. You need some. You need to make a specific measurable promise. Like I will go to the gym. I will take a spin class or a yoga class three days a week. I will lift weights for 30 minutes. And I will play tennis once a week. Whatever it is. Specific and measurable. Because you can't just say I'm going to go to the gym because the brat will go like this. Oh, I went to the gym. I parked my car. I went in, had a green juice. I waved to the spin class and I left. You will find a loophole. The brat will find a loophole. So specific measurable promise. Now watch, that's the promise. The brat's going to win though. So you need a consequence. We got to Here's where we're going to manipulate something and we're going to manipulate the chicken brat and weather reporter. So you now need to invent yourself and we'll help as the coach something that would be so annoying 
that if you don't keep the promise any one day, you have to pay this annoying consequence and you have someone holding you to account. So for instance, the best are your vices. So if you like your scotch at the end of the day, if you didn't work out today, like you had a promise, oh, there's no scotch for you or wine or any liquor at the end of the day. And your wife, your girlfriend, your boss, someone will hold you to account and that's it. So you have to pick something that's so annoying that when you go to not keep the promise and the brat's going, don't go, don't go, don't go. You're tired. You're tired. And you like, go, no way. Am I throwing $20 bill out my car window? If that's the consequence, there's no way that I'm not having my scotch tonight. You'll go to the gym. So you have to find what works for you in the consequence, right? And the best is always take the vice, right? Like whatever works, like, okay, you don't get to smoke your weed. You don't get to drink. You don't get to watch your Netflix, like something like, oh, I have ones, I have clients that, oh no, you do not get to fly your plane. Oh no, you don't get to go fishing this weekend. Like you got to come up with something that so fucking annoyed you that it forces you to keep the promise and the person holding you to account is key. Also, you have that you'll start living true to your values. Hands down. I love that. It sort of reminds me of, there's a guy that come on the show. One of our, one of the first interviews, which we did, Dr. Gareth Warden. I remember he talked about how he really wanted to lose 10 pounds. He would set himself a goal but he could just never do it. He could just never get himself in this mind frame. So he found this online site. And basically this online site, they said that if you want to set yourself a goal, that's fine. But there has to be a consequence for it. So he decided that money was really important to him. So he staked £2,000 on this £10 goal. And lo and behold, in about five or six weeks, <laughs> he had shifted it all See? up. <laughs> exactly. That's what every, and you have to invent what will work for you, right? So yes, exactly. Perfect. I know another thing uh, of yours, Beth, which I love is that you say that as adults, we've become very bad at dreaming. <laughs> yes. Can you talk it's, to me about this? Yeah, you know, the... The first homework that we give you, whether you're in the life coaching division um, or corporate or education, is you're going to, we break your life up into 12 areas. And in each one of the areas, the first thing you have to do is dream what that area will be like a year from now, if it's going to be, excuse me, if it'll be like a 9, 10 out of 10, like your highest, if you were going to have it. And you know, 95%, probably 97.5-ish, suck at dreaming. Although I just got someone's homework who um, is amazing at dreaming, wrote beautiful dreams, um, but he sucks at delivering on them. But dream dreaming is the key to everything. Like, you know, if you're like, what's your dream for your body? What's your dream for your marriage, your relationship? What's your dream for your money? What's your dream for your career? Otherwise, we're just to-do machines. So you want to have every area of your life that's important to you be inside of first and foremost a dream. Like, what? You, what's your dream? And it's so perfect because we're coming to the end of the year, right? And everyone, most part, makes New Year's resolutions, right? 
Yeah, I'd get out of that. I'd get into the business of what's your dream in every area of your life for 2020. What's your dream? I don't care you've been married 25 years. What's your dream for next year? What's your dream inside of your children? What's your dream for yourself inside of what are you going to learn new this year? What are your, what's your dream? And our muscle sucks at it because, you know, cynical resign. We've, you know, we had a dream. It never happened. It didn't work. And so as adults, we just kind of get over it, except it's the key to everything. It's what inspires you It what has you like all actions are inside of the dream. So we, we train, coach, force people to start dealing with what's your dream. So would the first step for this be, as you said, Blair, right now, what would a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 2020 look like? Would that be the first step? Or every area. Like, what's it going to look like? What are you doing with your body this year? Like, what's your dream for it? You know, like, you know, so here I am, I'm 60 years old, and what's my dream for next year? In fact, we will, at New Year's Eve, what we do, our gang, this is not coaching, this is not, but our gang gets together and we collage our dreams for the next year. And then we have a bonfire at midnight and we throw the old board away from last year and we have the new one. Like, what's your dream this year? Okay, well, I want this and I want this and I want to be with Oprah and I want, like, dreaming is what makes a difference. Now I'm going to give you another pearl. Ready? Whatever you believe, you prove. Whatever you believe, you prove. Now that's rocket. Also, oh no. Because if you believe someone on your team is a jerk, you will prove it. You might as well fire them now. If you believe that you're going to be get an Olympic medal, I also coach someone to Olympic medal. If you believe that, you're going to prove it. If you're going to believe that you're going to fall on your triple axle, you will. Whatever you believe, you prove. Therefore, you might want to start believing in some fun things and dream and create because whatever you believe, you'll prove. I love that. I love that. I know that we're starting to wrap up now. And I know that the Handle Method, they have this brilliant course coming out in a you. Do you want to yeah, uh, yeah. touch on that briefly and talk about the philosophies yeah. and whatnot behind that? Yeah. So if you go on our um, website, you'll immediately see in a you for career, for life, for um uh, it'll soon be coming out. It's not here yet for love and finding the one. And then it's also for students, the education one. But what one is out now is life or career. And there are 12 modules. And they're my sister, Lauren, who invented our Handel method. So she'll, it's, it's inside of the 12 modules. There's four things that happen. Lauren teaches you a principle like how to have hard conversations. She then has a client or one of our coaches speak to the principal then um, I ask the questions that most people have, and then we give out the homework. And everything is inside of you. You can do it online. You can do it on your phone. You don't have to have the coach like with a phone call. You're literally going through our entire method, and it alters life. The key is to do the homework. It's long and it's hard. That's the truth. 
is it deep? Totally. It's like one-on-one coaching. So do the homework, do it fully, it rocks, or just listen to it and it'll alter life too. Obviously, the one that'll make more of a difference is if you do the homework, but if you just listen to it, it'll make a difference. And so all you have to do is go on our site. I think we're giving them, if we, everybody, a $75 off interview and Joe will tell you how to do that. But it is the coaching that I just all talked about. And you don't have to hire a coach. It's your cheapest way to do it. And we built it because, for instance, I'm at Live Nation Entertainment, right, which is 5,000 people. And the CEO loves us, hired us to do a joint venture. We're coaching there for five years. and But we coach at the top. And, you know, even though he got a discount from us, it still were expensive. So what about the other 5,000 people? So all of a sudden we were confronted like, yeah, what are we doing with the other 5,000 people? If we, you know, because you can't give one-on-one coaching and they're not going to pay for it. That's where it all came from. How do we impact the schools? How do we impact in a bigger way so that met many people can be engaged in this? So that's why we invented it. And it's awesome. Coaching is so important. I have a coach. A lot of the, yeah. you know, uh, we just spoke to a uh, former NFL player. You saying to us that he has a business coach, he has a life coach. So, so important. Exactly. So I just got a few questions to wrap up and, you know, I could speak to you all day about this stuff. I love this, Beth. So one of the questions, and I'm sure that there will be a few uh, answers which will come to your mind, but one of the questions we always ask is, what rules do you love to break? (laughs) Okay. Sorry. It's just true. I speed, you know, I like what it's 65. You know, (laughs) I know you ain't getting a ticket if you're over about eight. Right. But I like, I like driving. So I'm going to speed. It's true. I break that rule. (laughs) Love it. Are there any books which have impacted your life, Beth? Oh, come on. You know what I'm going to say. My sister. (laughs) It is the greatest read. Marnie, my sister, who writes all our contact, is probably one of the funniest human beings ever. And so I love being able to look at your dark side while you're hysterical laughing because it's so funny. So I like the humor in the depth of looking at yourself and just Marnie and Lauren make it so fun. So that obviously is the book that, you know, impacts people. Amazing, amazing. And the last question that was wrapped up a, a, an amazing conversation is, let's imagine a scenario in which hypothetically every person was tuned into the same frequency and you're approaching the end of your life and you can give a final message to every person listening. What would Beth's message to the world be? Well, I think, you know, my brother-in-law, Lauren's husband, David, uh, made up this word that kind of fits with everything that we do, which is coptuitiveness, coptuitiveness, which is cop to your shit, right? Um, If everybody in the world really just copped to their shit and owned their dark, we would be in a much better place. And so just cop to your shit. What's the big deal? You know, like I have a right arm, you have a left arm. There's the ceiling. There's the floor. I suck at this. I do this. Like just cop to it. Makes a difference. So that was my (laughs) final message on my way out. 
I love this. I love this. Beth, where can our Freedom Pack family connect with you? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I much appreciate it. Where can, where can our audience connect with you, Beth? Um, you can go to our website, www.handelgroup, H-A-N-D-E-L group.com. You'll see my email and stuff there on the corporate division or Beth, B-E-T-H, at handelgroup.com. Send me an email. Tell, say you, 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 know, you listen to this and you want to talk to me. 